Welcome to the Sunday Morning Bible Study at Whitestone Christian Fellowship, taught by Pastor Bob Lorenz. We're located in the village of Victor, a little southeast of Rochester, New York. Pastor Bob teaches line by line and verse by verse from the Word of God. Now, let's join this week's Sunday Morning Bible Study, already in progress. Well, good morning once again. If you're just tuning in online, we welcome you to the 10 a.m. service at Whitestone Christian Fellowship. Our reading this morning is from Psalm 16, 1 through 8. We ask that you join us in that reading. And then we'll be finishing up the book of Ephesians, the last six verses of it. And we'll be doing a little back, back up uh, to make sure that everybody's on board with what we're talking about. Uh, it's, it is one of the most remarkable passages in the New Testament because it tells us about the attacks that will come and it tells us about how we can defend ourselves and how we can take offensive action. You know, we're, we're coming up at the end of football season here and everybody is well aware of the offense and the defensive teams on each team. The teams are divided, and sometimes the players play multiple roles, but sometimes it is just designed for one thing or another, depending on the strength of the other team. Well, we're in a, we're in a team, too. We also have an enemy. We have someone we want to defeat, and these are the tools that God describes for us as we put on the full armor of God. I entitled it Walk Circumspectly for a specific reason. It has to do with knowing where you are, who you're with, knowing what the social climate is, being aware of the pitfalls of some modern-day philosophies and thoughts. We need to be alert to the influence of outside influencers. We need to be aware of the influence of foreign influencers. We need to know what the political climate is around the world. And yet, I know there are some that don't want to hear about that. All of their trust is put in Jesus Christ. And that's a good thing. I wish that we would all be able to do that. But we are exposed to so many other influences in the world these days. Other other philosophies, other agendas that are not ours. And we see it in our own government, whether it be federal, state, or local. We see it in other countries because many of the, other, many of the countries of our enemies have an agenda. And it it seems, and perhaps in fact is, that they would like to destroy us and our culture 
and our wealth here in the United States. We know that the world is in a financial crisis. We know that the world is in a social crisis. People within foreign countries, even the foreign countries of our enemies, are fighting amongst themselves. People are clamoring for freedom and yet find it almost impossible to discover it or to live in it. We know that our country is in a financial pinch, but we are less in a pinch than so many other countries and so many other peoples. And it's hard to reconcile. But we do know that God calls us to freedom. He calls us to freedom from sin, from violating laws, from being envious of others, and all of the rest. He gives us all of this in the Ten Commandments. And He reminds us that when we when we do unto others as we would have others do unto us, that we are fulfilling the law, all ten of the commandments. So it's with that in mind that we find David here in Psalm 16. He knows he's been anointed to be king, but he's not there yet. King Saul is still in power. King Saul is after him because Saul knows that his days are limited. And as David runs from one place to the next, we find the, this Psalm 16. And in and of itself, it is, in the Hebrew, a miktam. It is a cry. It is a declaration. It's a poem. It's a motto as you go into battle. But it's a declaration of loyalty to God regardless of what comes our way. And David cried this. We find these Psalms of Miktam. That's what it says here in my Bible. It's a it's a heading before the first psalm. A miktam of David. And he says, Preserve me. Join with me. Preserve me, O God, for in Thee do I put my trust. O my soul, Thou hast said unto the Lord, Thou art my Lord. My goodness extendeth not to Thee, but to the saints that are in the earth and to the excellent in whom is all my delight. Their sorrows shall be multiplied that hasten after another God. Their drink offerings of blood will I not offer, nor take up their names into my lips. The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places, Yea, I have a goodly heritage. 
I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reins also instruct me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. What a wonderful exhortation for all of us to be reminded that no matter what the battles bring, no matter how often they come, the Lord is on our side. He is with us. And when we look at Jesus and His name given in, in Isaiah, Emmanuel, it is God with us. And He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And He says, no man can pluck you out of My hand. That is so important, especially when we see troublesome times ahead. Not only for our country, for, but for most of the free world. When we look at this miktam of David, we find that there's only a few times that we, that we come to these miktams of David. They're all in the Psalms. This Psalm 16. And when we look at the Psalms, they are at the end of the Psalms, they are Psalm 56, 57, 58, 59, and 60. All miktams. A declaration of loyalty to God and Jesus Christ. A declaration of who you stand for. And so it's no wonder that David, even though he was a sinner, God tells us in His Word that David had a heart after God. And indeed he did. Indeed he did. He counted on the Lord in his darkest moments. And the Lord always came through for him. If there was a time or a moment when David thought he was separated from God, it was because David separated himself. And the same thing is with us. Sometimes when things aren't working, when prayers aren't being answered, we, we tend to think like Abraham did with the promise of a son well, that's not working, so I'm going to do it myself under my own strength. And that's when Ishmael was born rather than Isaac. But Isaac is the son of promise, as it tells us in the Scriptures. So we have someone who fights along with us and guides us. We have Jesus. We have His Holy Spirit. And we have the will of the Father when we seek it. Jesus tells us, if any of you lack the Holy Spirit, ask. And God will not withhold Him from you. And the Holy Spirit is truly the Spirit of God dwelling within our hearts, giving us insights, teaching us, and reminding us of the teachings of Jesus while He was on earth. As we look at Ephesians, this final chapter, in chapter 6 of Ephesians, uh, last week we finished with putting on the full armor of God. He said to take, the whole, take on unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. 
have your loins girt about with Him. All those gut feelings, all those worries, those things that we fret about, wrap Jesus around them and He will keep you safe. Having on the breastplate of righteousness, your outward behavior, your habits, where you go, who you spend time with. Have that outward behavior, your outward habits, do nothing but glorify the Lord. Have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Wherever your feet take you, share that gospel of peace as you're given opportunity. Above all, take the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Well, not, they're not just darts these days. Satan knows that his time is coming to an end. And we're getting closer to his end every day and every minute. And now it seems that they're not just fiery darts, but they're missiles. He seeks to, he seeks to hinder and harm and undermine the work of salvation in the life of every believer. And hinder that work also in the lives of other be believers so that they don't become believers. So that they turn and they look and they say, oh, God's not here. He won't answer my prayers. Well, He will if you submit to Him. See, He's not under any obligation to fulfill a prayer that someone prays insincerely or prays to another God about. While we were traveling down here to church this morning, there was a song on the radio, I thank God for unanswered prayer. Sometimes we pray for the wrong things. Sometimes we pray out of the lusts of our hearts and the Lord doesn't answer. And we think, oh, Lord, where are you? Don't you know that that's not going to be good for you in the long run? God knows. We don't. It's the difference when you're driving your car, whether you're driving at the end of the hood or if you're driving a half mile ahead so that you know what's coming at you. God knows the future, each of our futures, and He knows what we're going to come up against. He knows our lusts. He knows the desires. Jesus can relate to them. He was a man just like us. And the Scriptures tell us that He was in all points tempted like as we are, yet He was without sin. So we have all of these things, these, these fiery darts, these missiles that are coming at us on a daily basis, and that shield of faith protects us. When we think of, when we think of the, the shield, the, the missile shield that, of radar that's over all of our free countries, when the shield 
predicts or senses that there's an incoming missile, our missiles go out and attack it. And they bring down those missiles that would otherwise attack us. This is warfare. This is spiritual warfare. And I say that because in verse 12 it says, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but we're wrestling against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's not any place on earth. That is Satan. That is Satan and his, his dark realm coming against the realm of God. We read in Scriptures where Satan was in the throne room of God. And God's wondering what he's doing. And we read it in one place where he's walking up and down the earth seeking whom he may devour. And in the book of Job, we read there that God said, Have you considered my servant Job? You know, it was a challenge. Go ahead and try him with your foolish lies. Do what you want, but don't harm his flesh. And if you read the book of Job, you'll see that Job was protected throughout himself. He lost his family, he lost his flocks, he lost his home, his possessions. And even his wife at one point said, go, Job, curse God and die. And he would not. Because like David, he knew that this was important. To not declare that God's works were the works of the devil. God allowed it. And why did he allow it? Because at the end of Job, we find Job's faith perfected just a little bit more. And his family was restored, his flocks, his possessions, his home, all restored because he was faithful. He was faithful to live a miktam. Its shield of faith is a shield that is movable. Shields are worn on a soldier's, a warrior's arm. If he sees something coming at him high towards his head, he can lift the shield up to his head. He can put it to his side. He can put it to his other side. He can put it behind his back if he needs to. He can put it low to protect his legs and make sure that his feet are continually shod with the gospel of peace. You'll see an image of a, of a Roman soldier, a warrior, on the front of the bulletin today. And as we go through these things, and maybe if you review it this evening or the, later this afternoon, look at each of those defensive weapons because it is vital that we're aware of the full armor of God that is afforded to us. 
the last piece of that armor is the helmet of salvation. It protects your brain and your mind. You'll hear things. You'll see things. People will say, why do you even believe? Because I have no one else that I can believe in and can trust for my safety, for my health, for any of those things, for my daily provision, for my daily bread. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. Here's your one offensive weapon. That sword is like a two-edged sword, dividing asunder, even if it's possible, the spirit and the soul. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, because the Word of God is that sword that divides. It, it examines the plans and the intents of the heart. And that's why sometimes God doesn't answer prayers. And if you think he doesn't answer prayers, well, then he, he really does because prayers are answered in three different ways. Either yes or not yet or no. We ask the question. We, we put that question before him. Please, Lord, if it be your will, <laughs> supply this, supply that. But God says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things, food, clothing, and shelter, will be added unto you. In miraculous ways. In ways that you didn't think you could afford. And He also says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto, with all perseverance and supplication of all saints. 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul tells them to, Paul tells the church at Thessalonica to pray without ceasing. And that's what Paul is telling them here in Ephesians. Praying always with all prayer and supplications in the Spirit. Not just from your mouth, but in the Spirit. Truly, relying on the Holy Spirit within you to bring forward the petitions that you desire. The supplication of the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Because we're not going through anything that every other saint isn't also going through. That's the one thing that comes, comes loud and clear through Solomon's writings. There is nothing new under the sun. The trappings and the decorations may be a little bit different. The situation may be different, but there's nothing new under the sun. We've seen it before. And I think that's where the old saying comes that those who ignore history are doomed to repeat it. If we don't learn from history. Because there's nothing new under the sun. And that just reminds us that we can 
we can always learn from other people's mistakes and errors. God is so faithful. So faithful. He will remind us. He will teach us through the Holy Spirit. And that's where we are. The supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And then Paul goes a little bit further because he knows that he's just a man too. In verse 19, he tells the church at Ephesus, he says, and pray for me. Pray for me that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly even in the face of my enemies. Nobody likes to make enemies. Nobody likes to further their cause or give them more reason to dislike or hate us. You know, that's one of our, our insecurities in this world. We, we just want everybody to like us. And not everybody is going to, especially if we are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. So take that as an opportunity to strengthen yourself and resolve within yourself to get beyond the hatred and teach them with love, speaking boldly the name of Christ. Because without Christ, they are doomed to hell. And not even God wants to see anyone in hell. But people make that decision for themselves by ignoring God's Son. Pray for me that utterance be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the Gospel. The mystery of the Gospels. We have heard about the mysteries of the church, the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but there are mysteries in the Gospels as well. They are not spoken of directly. They're not identified directly. But when I think of the mystery of the gospel and the mystery of the good news to man, it is that he came, he died, he rose, he ascended, and oh my gosh, he's going to come again. How does He do that? How does He do that? If you're a believer, you take those things unquestioningly. They're not mysteries as much as they are things that we put our faith in. I looked up the word mystery in my concordance. And it says a hidden thing meant to be known to the initiated, to the willing, and to the ones God prepares. It's something hidden that He wants us to know. When we look at the name of our church, it comes from Revelation 2.17. 
And it says, To him that overcometh will I give eat of the hidden manna. And I will give him a white stone. And in the stone a new name written, which no man can know except he that receiveth it. The white stone is indicative of the stone that is cast when a magistrate is voting for guilt or innocence. And the ones that get the white stone are the ones whose sin has been vindicated. That's every believer, him that overcometh. The hidden manna is the things that the Holy Spirit hides within His Word for each of us. Revelation 2.17 is hidden manna in and of itself. To understand that we're going to be given a white stone and a new name. That's vindication of our sin and a new identity. But the hidden manna brings us also to a greater understanding of God and His will for us. Those are all hidden in the Gospel. There are mysteries of the kingdom of God. There are mysteries of the world. There are mysteries of the, of the raising of the dead. There is the mystery of iniquity. So these are all wonderful things that we read about in the Scriptures, but we know we need to study the Word so we know what we're looking for so that when, we, when we're confronted with it, we can identify it for what it is. And we can either be drawn to it or we can leave it alone. In fact, steer clear of it. There's all these mysteries in the Scriptures and God wants us to know them. I believe it's in Thessalonians where he says, I, I do not want you ignorant. I want to reveal things to you. But we have to be willing we have to have on the breastplate of righteousness. We have to have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. We have to have the shield of faith. We have to have the helmet of salvation. All of those things to be prepared. Because when you hear the mysteries of faith and the mysteries of the gospel come alive in your life, when you see them come to life in your life, you'll recognize them and someone will say, oh, you're full of baloney. You're crazy. People say that about us already. And when I see those things being spoken of in the Scriptures, I think, well, good, I must be on the right page then with the Lord because Satan is on the attack with his fiery darts and his missiles. The mystery of the Gospel It's interesting, the mystery of the gospel is, well, to the Jews, 
it's hidden to them in this present age. But there will come a time when their eyes will be opened and they will look upon Him whom they have pierced and they will come to a knowledge of their Savior. While they await His first coming, they will realize that it is His second coming. But many of them will be saved. There's no doubt about it. The Scriptures are clear. He came with His Gospel to the Jews and also the Gentiles, and His Word will not be returned to Him void and empty. So we look forward to that day. But He says that I may open my mouth boldly and make known the mystery of the Gospel. He's preaching it to the heathens, to the pagans, to the non-believers. Peter's teaching it. This is bipartisanship. Peter's teaching the same things to the Jews. And it's important for them as much as it is for us. And Paul says that I can make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds. I can't escape it. In fact, I don't want to escape it. that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak, but that you also may know of my affairs and how I'm doing. Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, shall make known to you all things. Tychicus was the one who brought the letters, the prison letters, back and forth to Paul. He received letters and he wrote letters. Between Tychicus and Epaphras, there was a great line of communications going back and forth. But you, that you may also know of my affairs and how I do. Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, shall make known to you all things. Paul is under house arrest here in Rome. He had to rent his own house and then they posted soldiers there with him to make sure that he did not go out. But he was allowed to receive visitors. He was allowed to receive visitors and those visitors when they came in, what do you think they heard? It was God's way of filtering people in to see Paul and to hear the gospel. Those that were prepared for the hidden manna of the glory of Jesus Christ. Rome filtered out the non-believers for him. He fil they filtered out the ones that wanted nothing to do with it. They filtered out the ones that were skeptics, whose heart was maybe already hardened. And you have to remember that Paul was remembered of the Jews for when he was persecuting the church. So Christians sometimes 
avoided Paul because of his reputation for persecuting the church. At one point, even in Jerusalem, they, they couldn't believe the fact that Paul was preaching the gospel and they all spoke among themselves. And they said, Isn't that the one that was persecuting other believers? Whew. Get the willies about that. That's a church I'm going to avoid. But when they realized that his words were true and faithful, they understood that he went through a born-again confrontation with the Lord Jesus Christ. He changes lives. I'll let you know how I am. Tychicus is going to inform you of how things are with me, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose that you might know of our affairs and that he might Comfort your hearts. Fear not. Jesus is still in control. He's taking care of me, Paul says. He's providing for all of my needs. Even as I am imprisoned in my own house. There are many people that believe that during the pandemic that we just have been going through that we were prisoners in our own house and our government didn't want us going outside. But God still provided for everything that we needed. Maybe we didn't get our wants, but all of our needs were met. As Paul is closing out this letter, this letter of comfort, this letter of admonishment, this letter of correction, and instruction in righteousness. He says, Peace be to the brethren, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ, in sincerity. Amen. What a beautiful way to end an epistle that is filled with doctrine, correction, instruction in righteousness, reproof. Paul's loving words even in the closing here, remind us that he's not here for, to, to put us down. He's here to bring correction and improvement to our lives. And that's what Jesus Christ does when we accept him. He provides us with teachers, with evangelists, with pastors. He provides us with his word where we can go and we can read the same things that Paul wrote, that Peter wrote, that James wrote, that the prophets of old wrote, all pointing to Jesus Christ. This is vital for all of us. Because He came, He died, He rose again, He ascended, and He will come again. There's our hope.
There's our hope that He is coming again. And as He has told the church in Thessalonica, God has, God has not appointed us unto wrath. We will have tribulation in this world, but we will escape the great tribulation that's coming as He calls us home and the Holy Spirit comes home to heaven with us. We're going to share communion this morning. This is the communion that reminds us about his, what He did, that He came, we celebrated that at Christmas, that He died, we're about to celebrate that for Easter time along with His glorious resurrection. So we'll take a, a couple of minutes just to be quiet, to allow you to each speak to the Lord in prayer, in the Spirit. If you've got a question to ask Him, if you've got a sin to confess, if, you, if you're confused about a doctrine, if you're doing anything that you want to ask God about, this is the perfect time to do it. But primarily to cleanse yourself and to open up those communication lines again with the Father, with Jesus, through the Holy Spirit. And when, we, when you're all ready, you can come up and serve yourself here at the communion table and enjoy the Enjoy the song that is going to play in the background here in a minute. And just enjoy this quiet communion with our Lord Jesus Christ.
chapter 11 verse 23 says for i have received of the lord that which also i delivered unto you the lord jesus christ the same night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said take eat this is my body which is broken for you This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup. When he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. These are the things that he said while he was facing the crucifixion, just hours away. These are the things that he revealed to the apostles as he looked at some of the most painful times that a human being could possibly endure. He didn't turn from it. He walked willingly towards it because of us because of his unwillingness to be separated from his creation for all eternity. He was tempted in all ways as we are, yet he remained to be without sin. Father, Lord Jesus, we are humbled by your willingness to move forward toward the cross with every step of your life. And the closer you got, the more difficult it became. You went into Gethsemane. You even pleaded with the Father, if there be any way that this cup could pass from me. But there was no other remedy. And Jesus knew that. But he'd been betrayed by his friends. He'd been betrayed by the children of God, the chosen people. They had enlisted the Roman soldiers against him, bringing the whole power of Rome against him. And this was the world that he created. 
And this is His creation that was corrupted. And these are the sins of the people that He's going to die for. Father, it's beyond us how any man, human or divine, much less human and divine, could possibly make that decision. And it is no wonder that he sought your perfect will. Father, we're humbled by what he's done for us. Jesus, we're humbled by what you endured for us. Paying for our sins, wiping our slates clean, and all we have to do is believe on you, and we will be saved. Thank you seems like so inadequate to say but we give you thanks and we give you glory and we honor you in our lives. And if we're not, Lord, help us to honor you. We love you and we thank you. Let's partake of these emblems together. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul's speaking to the Corinthians, the church at Corinth, and he says, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. The natural heart of man cannot know them. And further down in the chapter, in 1 Corinthians 2.14, it says, But the natural man, the unregenerate man, the man with a hardened heart or just an ignorant spirit, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. 
open up your hearts to the Spirit this week. Then you can discern all things. Ask for that gift of discernment from the Holy Spirit. Let Him teach you. Let Him remind you the application and the things that He has said. God bless you. Have a wonderful week in the Lord. From Psalm 67, verses 1 and 2, God be merciful to us and bless us and cause His face to shine upon us that thy way may be known upon earth, thy saving health among all nations. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Have a wonderful day in the Lord. The sun is out here in upstate western New York. We're beyond our, our sub-freezing temperatures this today, and that's a great, a great gift. So praise Him even for the temperature. God bless you. Have a great, great week. And we'll see you again. Thank you for listening to the Sunday Morning Bible Study at Whitestone Christian Fellowship, taught by Pastor Bob Lorenz. To access the list of teachings or to check the archives for Pastor Bob's weekly observations column, log on to whitestonecf.com. There you can also check the weekly schedule and any upcoming events. To contact us or to drop a note to Pastor Bob, you can email us at whitestonecf at gmail.com or call us at 585-924-8820. Whitestone Christian Fellowship is a non-denominational congregation. Every Sunday, Pastor Bob walks us through the Bible, teaching line upon line and verse by verse. And we're located in the village of Victor, a little southeast of Rochester, New York. And if you're in the area, we invite you to visit us. From upstate New York, Pastor Bob encourages all of us to immerse ourselves in the Word of God. Until next time, remember that Jesus is our victor. Stay close to Him.